Dell Dilla making it work this morning. And joining us right now is Dr. Michael Osterholm. He's a Regents Professor, McKnight Presidential Endowed Chair in Public Health. In November of 2020, Dr. Osterholm was appointed to President-elect Joe Biden's 13-member transition COVID-19 advisory board. That board now has disbanded because of the Joe Biden becoming president. And I read, uh, Dr. Osterholm, where you were predicting yet another pandemic. What is this new pandemic, and will America be ready this time? Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. And uh, we're still really in the same pandemic that we've been in since it emerged in China back in uh, almost a year ago. But what we're talking about is a new surge of cases. Basically, as you've seen through the past year, we've had these periods where case numbers increase uh, precipitously and then come back down again, like we're seeing right now. Uh, we're in a lull, which is great news. Mm-hmm. But our concern is is that with a, a new a strain of the virus, and we call a variant, uh, which is more infectious and more likely to cause severe disease, that we're concerned that uh, sometime in the next 6 to 12 weeks we could see another really big increase in cases here in the United States. So can these mutations affect the effectiveness of the vaccines, or do we need a different vaccine for every change in this virus? Well, at this point, fortunately, the strains that we have in the United States circulating, meaning that they're the ones that most people are getting infected with, has not had an impact on how well the vaccines work. We do have some viruses isolated here in the United States that could possibly uh, do that, could change how well the vaccines work, but they are not widely spreading at all at this point. Now, we're going to have to keep our our finger on those and know about that. But but even with the strain that we call the UK strain originated in the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. uh, that one is still a real problem for us because it, in fact, it does mean that there's a substantially increased transmission and more surreal illness. That by itself is a, is a real problem for us. Everyone, we're talking with Michael Osterholm, Dr. Michael Osterholm. We're talking about vaccines. And I was just reading just late last evening that now we're testing right here in Minnesota vaccines for children. And we haven't heard very much about that until just a couple of days ago. Well, uh, early on, uh, the vaccine trials were obviously focused on adults where we tend to, you know, have the best opportunity to do this kind of study to make sure the vaccines are safe and that they're effective. And kids, unfortunately, aren't as up as high in the list right away because we want to show that safety in adults before we ever t- uh, put a vaccine or a drug into children. Uh, that has now happened where we have uh, quite uh, amazing uh, safety data for these uh, vaccines. And so the investigations are now going on to look at kids. Remember, even with the previous vaccines, we could still vaccinate 16 to 18-year-olds and higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that we, in a sense, did get at some of the teenage years. What we're looking at now is the younger kids below 16 to see um, in terms of, again, how well the vaccine works. And, of course, uh, the issue of safety, that's very important. Everyone, Dr. Michael Osterholm with us this morning. I know that the president has mentioned that they're sending vaccines directly to the pharmacies. How do we determine who the pharmacies will be inoculating once these uh, vaccines arrive? Well, this is going to be uh, somewhat of a challenge in that each and every state has to determine how to get the vaccines to those people who have been recommended to get it. In this case, people over age 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that, you know, there's no one way to reach all of the population, for example, in Minnesota. Um, some people have access to getting to their health care uh, clinic. 
Some do not. There are sh- uh, people who are living alone, they're shut in, whatever. Um, and in some cases, uh, getting vaccine to certain communities, such as the BIPOC community, uh, may be very different than getting it to, uh, you know, uh, suburbia. And so one of the challenges we have right now is making sure that the entire state is covered, making sure that everybody has access to the vaccine who are recommended. So the pharmacies are seen as just one more opportunity for people uh, to get that there. But um, it, it is one that is unclear yet how that will work relative to who gets recommended. Do you just call up your pharmacy and say, can I get my shot? You know, how will that work? And so those details are still being worked out yet. So infections and hospitalizations are uh, dropping, Dr. Osterholm. That's got to be encouraging news. Or is it because we're beyond the surge around the holiday travel, 12,000 cases Tuesday, lowest count since Thanksgiving? Uh, What's your opinion on that? And how critical are the next six weeks? Well, in fact, uh, obviously, we really appreciate and uh, and celebrate the decreased number of cases. But as I pointed out just a, a minute ago, Um, We have seen these surges in cases increase quickly, dramatically, and then come back down into these lulls like we're at now and then come back up again. And each time the highs get higher and the lows even get higher. And so here we still are sitting at 120, 230,000 cases a day in this quote-unquote lull. Remember what it was like when we had uh, 32,000 cases a day in April in New York getting hit so hard, or even the big peak of 70,000 cases in July in the United States. We thought, oh my, it couldn't get worse than this. And here we are, much worse, and we're calling it a lull. Uh, So I think that really points out just how our our frame of reference has changed about what this virus is doing. Mm -hmm. What our concern is that the new uh, uh, surge with this new strain of the virus could be even much higher than the 300,000 cases a day we saw in early January. That's the challenge we have right now is that, is that, uh, you know, we're far from done with this virus. The picture you're painting is not good. So what does the long term look like? When will... A, a sliver of normalcy start to return, not only in the United States, but around the world? Well, you know, at this point, we don't know. And we have to be really honest about the fact we don't know. Uh, it is really a situation of what will these viruses do? How will they act? Will they keep mutating and become uh, such that they are able to uh, defeat some of the protection of the vaccine? meaning the vaccines may not work as well. The second thing is, who's going to take the vaccines? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can have all the vaccine in the world, but if uh, people aren't willing to take it, it's not going to do any good. I've said over and over again, a vaccine is just a vaccine. It's not really that important until it becomes a vaccination, until it's a, a virus, uh, a vaccine uh, in, in the arm that prevents the virus from infecting you. That's what we need to concentrate on right now. I know uh, communities of color have a low percentage take rate on this vaccine. What can we do to increase that take rate so that uh, we all can heal from this? Yes, and and that's a really, really important point. Uh, We can't emphasize that enough. You know, we've done a really poor job of telling the story of this vaccine. You know, it it was produced under a program called Operation Warp Speed, the worst name we could have thought of. And while it still was an incredible effort, not taking any shortcuts with safety or, you know, how well it works, uh, any of those things, you know, it kind of has a bad feel to it by the name. And the military have helped the vaccine, which, of course, makes it even more suspicious. And then these are what we call messenger RNA vaccines or mRNA vaccines. That's a challenge because it seems to some that, oh, my, they're injecting some kind of genetics into me. It will change my genetics. 
and, you know, the sense of experimentation. None of this is true, but we've not done a good job telling that story. And so why people are suspicious, why people have concerns are very legitimate. And particularly in the black community where, you know, the remnants of Tuskegee hang well over our head. And as they should, we should never forget that. Uh, the experimentation that occurred with, uh, uh, with black prisoners and syphilis. And so I think that um, at this point, the most important message we can get across, this is a vaccine that could very well save your life and or the life of a loved one. We need to get it, but we need to tell people the story of this vaccine. We need to tell people why it's so important to get it, what the safety issues are. And so, and this has to, this has to really be done in large part with the leadership and the direction of the black community. You know, it, it, it's important that, that that ownership and that, that uh, you know, ability to communicate, the credibility is there. It's not in the government. It's not in a lot even of the medical or medical facilities. It's really about the community itself providing that leadership. Give us a, a ray of hope. What do we need to do? Uh, you know, if you will, put your put your hand on our shoulder. Give us a prescription and tell us how we can be better as a way of, say, of saying goodbye this morning. Yeah, well, I think at this point, you know, it's our science versus the virus, and I've always put my uh, money on the science. That's why I'm in this business. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe in that. And so we, you know, can get through this. We have a lot of opportunity to control what happens in our own lives in terms of how we get exposed to this virus or don't get exposed. Um, we need to work hard to protect our essential workers. Many people listening to this uh, uh, radio uh, right now are people who are having to go to work in the public every day. We need to protect them with the best respiratory protection equipment, you know, the right masks, the right, you know, the right uh, things to do to make sure that they don't get infected at work. There's a lot we can do and must do. And, and I think we're seeing big changes right now just in the last two weeks since the inauguration. We're seeing a whole new focus on how to respond to this uh, pandemic, not one of saying it's going to go away. It's saying it's tough, but we're going to get through it, and this is what we're going to do. And that's really encouraging to me. All right, Dr. Michael Osterholm, thank you for stopping in this morning. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate uh, the prescription that you've shared with us today. Well, I appreciate the chance to get the message out. You're an important part of the voice in this community. And we need you. And so thank you very much for being a part of this uh, message. It's really, really important. I get the feeling we need each other. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye. 17 past the hour of 8 o'clock. <sighs> Sobering, Chantel. <laughs> it's a lot. We've talked to Dr. Osterholm before in the past. Um, and so it definitely is a, a very strong message that he's sending about the vaccine and about the virus itself. But it's always good to have updates on where we are with the the whole pandemic it seems like a long way to go but i just trust and believe that maybe uh things will get better sooner than they didn't expect it i still don't see the light at the end of the tunnel but uh i'm still going through right it's 18 past eight larry fitzgerald is on the way